When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. NFL quarterbacks do not stand a chance against the Cowboys' defense with the way that they are designing their pressures. We'll look at some Micah Parsons tape and we'll break down the magic behind the play on tonight's episode. Here we go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central. As always, remember to hit the like button as you walk into the show. And as always, remember that you can find the best Cowboys content over at ADCSports.com slash Dallas for your Cowboys needs. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Let's talk a little bit about the Cowboys' pass rush. Because by now, you've seen it all. Micah and company are just wrecking offenses right now. And they're doing it with Micah. They're doing it with other players, a loaded secondary. Tonight, I thought we should look at a couple of plays that, to me, exemplify the magnificent work that defensive coordinator Dan Quinn is doing. I've talked about this since last year, but Quinn really is a master of pressure design. And a couple of things that I want to say before we get into the film room segment of the show, pass protection and pass rush is all about getting to the QB by generating as many one-on-ones as possible if you are the defense. And for the offense, it's all about generating as many double teams as you can. That being said, it gets to the point where you're really talking about how do you get those defensive fronts that ensure that Micah Parsons is going to get a one-on-one and your best players are going to get ones-on-ones. And there are a lot of ways that you can do that, and you're trying to break the opponent's rules of pass pro. So that's what I want to dive into tonight there are two couple of clips that we're going to be, uh, there are a couple of clips that we'll be looking into tonight on the show. So thank you for joining. Do me a favor and hit the thumbs up. Let me say hi to a few of you before we get into the film room. We've got Toxic in the room. We've got Jay Money. We've got uh, Katharina over at Facebook, Blake, Bruce. We've got Lance Bell as well. Uh, Mo, uh, Toxic says, Mo got a haircut. Yes, sir, I did. Thank you for noticing ladies and gentlemen let's get to the film room quarterbacks do not stand a chance against what the cowboys are doing right now let's get to it this is just a recent example of how good micah parsons is we saw it on sunday third down first drive of the game and micah is gonna run the stunt gonna shoot two gaps inside gonna get the sack on sack wilson and it's gonna be just a fun athletic play all around Boom, gets to the QB, does a Lions celebration. But let's break it down. Let's break it down a little bit today, and let's dive deeper into the details of this play because there's 
a lot of things that I would like to point out. This is a great play for Micah, and I'm not going to take anything away from him, but it's another reminder of how good Dan Quinn is putting his players in position to succeed. Let's look at some numbers behind the play, though, very quickly. You've got six players at the line of scrimmage for the Cowboys. Six players who are threats because Leighton Van Der Esch is showing blitz. Jaron Kyrus is showing blitz. Spoiler alert, they are both going to drop back. But the Jets cannot know that for sure. And they got to account for them because they are at the line of scrimmage. If you don't block them, then they'll probably shoot and get Zach Wilson. The Jets, in turn, have six men to block these six players. They've got their five offensive linemen, and they've got the running back, who also counts, because he's going to be involved in the pass pro. But there's a lot of problems that the Giants are realizing, that the Jets, excuse me, are realizing at this moment. They are realizing that they've got a three-man surface here that includes Micah. And look at Micah, how wide he is. He is a wide nine in this scenario. He is going to try to get to Zach Wilson on the inside, or that's what they're trying to make it uh, see him. And then the, le the left tackle has Chauncey Golson on top of him, and the guard has Oza Odigizua on top of him. So somehow, they've got to get some help in order to account for the three of them. That means that starting by the center, who is somewhat uncovered, they are going to slide to this side, and it's going to be three versus three, as you can see right there. But then in turn, that means that you got to have, if, if you're sliding this way, right? If you're the, the Jets, keep mixing up their names, sorry. Then you've got to have three players for Lawrence, Kears, and Van Der Esch. And here you got the left guard, who, the right guard, excuse me, who absolutely needs to block Van Der Esch if he comes, because he's at the A-gap, which is the shortest path to the quarterback right here. That means that the tackle is likely going to get Lawrence because he's easily the most dangerous player. And the running back is going to pick up Kears. And if Kears doesn't come, then he's likely going to go out there and going to run route. That's what you would be thinking right here pre-snap if you are the Cowboys and you are the Jets. But as you can see, Parsons is guaranteed a one-on-one -on -one matchup. And he's going to take three steps to the outside shoulder of the tackle and then he's going to run a stunt while Oza and Chauncey here take on the guard and the center and take them out of the play. So let's look at this. Uh, I will be pausing it as we go through this play here. Here we go. You can see the tackles are occupying the inside lineman right here. Micah has made the tackle go outside and in turn that's given some time for the right guard to look at Van Der Esch, look at him drop, look at Jaron Kears, see him drop as well. So now he's forgetting about this side entirely. Now he checked Van Der Esch, he checked Kears. Now he's likely going to check what Lawrence is doing over here versus the Jets right tackle. And he's not going to catch Mr. Micah stunting inside and getting to, to Zach Wilson right there. It's small details that sometimes we don't even realize that are a thing, but the alignment of Van Der Esch and Kears at the line of scrimmage and the confidence that they can drop back and still cover their zones 
is part of what makes the Cowboys defense so elite. Now, that's just one of the examples. Of course, we looked at Micah getting the sack, and we looked at Van Der Esch walking up to the line of scrimmage. There's another example that I think is equally wild, but in this one, they don't get a sack. Still worth watching. Here we go. Now, this is later in the game, but it's a similar play. They're not sacking Wilson on this one, but they're generating pressure on third and long, and they force the incomplete pass here from Wilson. So let's look at the play really quickly here. Again, see what you have right there. You have a five-man surface of defensive players. You are pressuring with five or showing pressure with five. This is something critical to understand. Pass protection, you have one goal. Generate as many double teams as possible. And conversely, defenses are trying to get as many one-on-ones as they can. So look at what they're doing right here. Look at where Micah is. Again, a wide alignment. Van Der Esch is not a defensive lineman, but he is right here. And you've got basically so many shoulders uncovered here until you get to Osa, who's over the right guard, Chauncey, who's over the right tackle, and Lawrence, who is here on a stand-up position, getting ready to rush Zach Wilson on the outside. And of course, the tackle is going to kick. So again, what are you doing here? You gotta, doesn't matter how dangerous Micah is. It doesn't matter at this point. As an offensive line, you gotta respect this three-man surface of defensive lineman types. You gotta respect it. You gotta slide to them. So if you are the center here, you are sliding to this three-man surface, which means in turn that you are either getting your tackle versus Micah and your guard against Van Der Esch and maybe getting your running back to help or do something. I guess that the running back is just kind of maybe checking for Jaron Kears if he comes. But this is ensuring that Micah gets a one-on-one. If you are using your regular four-man front, then you know the Jets are going to slide to him. But these three-man surface over here, you got to account for. You cannot just leave one of them unblocked. And what is the result? See for yourself. Van Der Esch doesn't even rush. Like he makes kind of like a hesitation step and is kind of matching up against the running back there. But this guard is taken out of the play, basically. He is doing nothing. And I can guarantee you the second that somebody does not account for Leighton Van Der Esch, Van Der Esch is going to shoot through that gap unblocked and he's going to get a sack. But right here, the guard needs to respect him because that's just how football works. Look at this. Boom. And of course, it helps that you've got Goldston and and Oza doing some exotic stuff too. Uh, I think I rewinded this a lot. I don't know if I left this play too. Yeah, yeah, there you go. They're kind of stunting. You see, Goldston and Oza are actually stunting. So you're adding yet another headache for the offense. It's awesome work. It's really awesome work. I can talk about pass protection and pass protection manipulation all day long, but this is elite work from the Cowboys. And I don't see how offenses eventually come up with a plan to get one-on-one matchups against, uh, to get double teams on Micah. And that is awesome to see. Just knowing that the Cowboys can walk into any NFL game day 
and get Micah some one-on-one looks. Those are guaranteed. They are absolutely guaranteed, and that is awesome to see. And that's just part of it, as you guys know. Like, sure, the Cowboys coaching is great. Micah is fantastic. Going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. We can already say that, even though we're not even three years into his career. <laughs> but that that's what the probabilities would suggest. But the Cowboys also have a lot of dogs, right? Like, sure, Micah can win the ones on, on ones that you give him, but Oza might win his. Lawrence is probably winning his, too. And we're getting to a point where I've said it before, and I think these videos back it up. Either you have an elite offensive line to move the ball against the Cowboys with the pass, and you have an elite offensive line with an elite tackle that can handle Micah alone by himself. I don't know if there's even one guy like that in the NFL right now. There's going to be some players that who are fantastic tackles that are going to have some cool matchups with him, but I don't know about limiting him or shutting him down. I don't think that any offensive tackle can do that right now for an entire game. Maybe they can exchange battles here and there and they can exchange reps, but either you have that kind of offensive line or you have a quarterback and a game plan that you can execute in such a way that you kind of scheme Micah out of the way. And we've seen that a little bit in the past. We know that last year the Eagles were trying to do that, just either reading off of him, like read option plays, or throwing screens his way. And that kind of forced Micah into an uncomfortable position in those games. But right now, I don't know if they can do a whole lot of that with the talent that the Cowboys have everywhere in the defense. And if they do, then it's just a select few teams that can actually go against the Cowboys and do that. Let me read some of your comments here before we move on. I really enjoyed putting that together because I love X's and O's. As you know, I admit that I am still learning a whole lot about it. But one area that I really come to love is pass pro stuff. And I like knowing where the offensive line is lighting, what the rules are, what teams and defenses are trying to do. And heck, I follow the perfect team to break that down in detail with the way that Dan Queen sets his players up. Let's see what you guys have to say, though. Here in the chat, I see a lot of hair-related comments, and I was laughing on the backs at backstage I was. Let's see here. Alino says, Mo, do you think that Jerry should draft a wide receiver in next year's draft to company a company lamp if the class of wide receivers is strong? I think the following, and I believe this is something that the Cowboys front office probably believes too. They're very into best player available type stuff, but I think that the Cowboys would draft a wide out if, they, if the value is right. In the sense that I don't think that having somebody like CD would keep them from pulling that trigger. I absolutely think that they would. I'm not going to say that they should do it next year draft in the first round because, to be honest, I'm not even that familiar with the 2024 draft class, so I don't know what the expectations are for wideout. We obviously know about Marvin Harrison, but he's not going to escape the top five, obviously. Uh, so definitely open to that, and just adding those weapons, I believe, is something that the Cowboys are always going to consider Let's see here. Kevin Williams says, what offensive and defensive formations do you believe put our best players on the field? 
Uh, that's a very good question, Kevin. And that is a complex one too. Uh, so much so that I don't know about actual formations, but personnel groupings, I would say that the best players on the field that the Cowboys can have is, and it doesn't make sense to always do it. I want to start with the defense since it's what we've been talking about today. It's got to be those NASCAR packages type stuff where they have three defensive ends in there or edge rushers. Let's call them edge rushers. And I'm including Micah in this category, by the way. Or you have four of them, like where you have Sam Williams and Micah and uh, Lawrence at the same time on the field and Oza, who really has earned himself the right to be like, obviously he's an interior defensive lineman, but he's someone that I wouldn't be subbing out even in obvious passing situations because he's been so good for the Cowboys early in his career. So I would say that. And then going back, go, going a step further, I would say whatever dime package that the Cowboys can have where they have six defensive backs instead of the two linebackers and where you can get into a position where you're talking about three safety looks for Dallas. So that would mean Malik Hooker, Donovan Wilson, and Jaron Kears. That's the best group of defensive players that you can have on the field. And we'll talk about Wilson in a bit here. Now, offensively, I do think it's the Nick, the not nickel, sorry, the 11 personnel grouping where you could have the three wideouts. And I know that there are some questions about Michael Gallup, and I think they are fair, but I would much rather have the three wideouts. Like, again, it's it's difficult to say one or the other because the Cowboys do have good blocking tight ends that can do their thing too. But if you were forced to live in just one world, it probably would be 11 personnel with the three wideouts and the running back, Tony Pollard and everything. But 12 personnel and 11 personnel, we're going to see a whole lot of this season. And we've already seen that the Cowboys are not moving on necessarily from 13 looks and 14 looks, meaning three tight ends and four tight ends. In this case, though, it's not exactly 14 personnel. It's more like three tight ends and a fullback. So you could say that it is, what, 23 personnel, which I don't believe it's going to be emulated by many other teams. But yeah, it's a complicated question, Kevin. So sorry for not giving a very straight answer. Those are just some overall thoughts on what the Cowboys what the best looks that they can provide are. Let's see here. Derek says that West Coast offense that has short three-step drops and more focus on the run works so well with our defensive game plan. It allows Dak to make the quick decision rather than overthinking. I love it. We dove into a little bit of that earlier in the week, Derek. I agree with you. I don't want the Cowboys to be overly conservative, though, just because of the defensive game plan. So when the games get tough, I would love to see that aggressiveness still with the Cowboys. But I agree that quick game for Dallas is going to take such a big step forward this year and moving forward. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on a little bit here to the injury report for the Cowboys first of the week. And overall, pretty good balance for Dallas. You have multiple players returning to practice. That includes Brandon Cooks, who missed the game on Sunday. He's back in practice dealing with that MCL sprain. He was limited. 
Chuma Doga was also limited, the guard, and he matters so much because he's been solid. Like, I know that we had some questions about him, and I even wondered if he would even make the roster, but he's played some good football. He's been a presence in the running game. He hasn't been a game-costing liability at all. Obviously, we want Tyler Smith to come back as soon as possible, but so far, Chuma is looking quite good at left guard, considering he's a backup, of course. Tyler Smith, by the way, also returned to practice. Limited participant, but yep. And Donovan Wilson, full go on Wednesday, which is a huge win for Dallas. He's been nursing a calf injury since training camp. Back at practice, will we see him on Sunday? That's something that we are very, very intrigued about. One negative, though, Zach Martin misses the practice with an, with the ankle injury that he suffered late in the game on Sunday. The Cowboys are saying that he's fine. Doesn't seem like it's a big of that big of an issue. And if you're Martin, you can definitely miss practice without any issue at all. But Zach Martin not practicing on Wednesday would still not be an ideal situation. So something to keep an eye on. And finally, Jaron Kears popped up on the injury report, but he did so with an illness. Maybe nothing to worry about. That would be the expectation, I guess. But still, several players returning to practice. That includes starting players Brandon Cooks, Tyler Smith, and Donovan Wilson. That's a W, in my opinion. Now, Cowboys are entering an intriguing week because you are facing the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday for week three of the NFL regular season. So, like it or not, and... We want to talk about trap games and we want to talk about, hey, Dallas Cowboys shouldn't be overly confident entering this one. And yes, all of that is true. You can always, you can never be too confident in the NFL because it's a dangerous league. You're going to get punched in the mouth if you are not ready for any opponent. Doesn't matter how bad they are. And believe me, the Cardinals are pretty bad. And I say this because, yes, the Cowboys even though you don't want to be too confident or anything, Cowboys do need to be smart here. And I don't know that we're going to see all of these players back on the lineup on Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas is like, okay, Cooks can wait another week. Or maybe Tyler Smith. Or maybe Wilson, you know what? Let's take it easy. Juan J. Thomas is killing it anyways. Let's save you for week four versus the New England Patriots. But then on the other hand, You've got the other argument, which is all of these guys need a ramp-up period before the big games against the Patriots and the 49ers. And yes, I know the Patriots are 0-2, but still, I'm not going to put them in the same tier as the Cardinals here. I'm going to put them in a, in a tier above them. So maybe you want to treat this as a ramp-up game. Maybe you want to treat this as a rest game for the injured players. And I'm not saying that, hey... Crazy stuff doesn't happen in the NFL because it does. It really does happen in the NFL. But objectively, this shouldn't be a trap game for Dallas. There are trap games. Those exist. Usually, there's got to be something good about the team or a favorable matchup that can really turn the tables where people don't expect it to. You look at the Cardinals game, and honestly, I think that they're in trouble, as you can see right here. Looked at the game versus the Giants. I haven't really 
dove deep into the old 22 stuff, but I did wonder like, hey, what was up with that? Why were the Cardinals up 20 to nothing at halftime versus the Giants? That's crazy. That's something that the Cowboys did. It should it be done by, by the Cardinals, right? Didn't make a lot of sense. And I hate to do this, and I hate when people do this, but man, I got to say that this is the case for this particular game. I don't want to take away anything for the Cardinals, and I don't want to take any of the credit away for them, but it felt like this was more on the Giants, that slow start. Like, the Giants were not comfortable at all. Daniel Jones looked kind of, I don't know if he the, snapped the football and thought of Micah Parsons. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. Like, he thought that the Cardinals were the Cowboys for a brief second. He was traumatized with that week one game. Might have been it. But the Giants were not comfortable. They were making mistakes consistently. Second half comes around, and it's a reality check for the Cardinals. They are the, the offense goes three and out for three consecutive drives. They allow four consecutive touchdown drives for the Giants. So it kind of got flipped on its head massively. And I just think that it was a weird, slow game for the Giants in the first half. And again, I hate to do that where I say, oh, it wasn't the fact that the Giants uh, were struggling versus the Cardinals. They were just struggling against themselves. But I really think... That's what happened on that game. You go watch it. Go watch that week two game and tell me I'm wrong tomorrow night. Because it, it did feel weird. Cardinal's Opinion can chime in here in the YouTube chat. We've got a Cardinal's Opinion uh, channel. I don't know if it's an actual channel or a fan, but let us know where we are wrong, Cardinal's Opinion. This looks like a like the team that we expected out of, out of Arizona. And it did feel to me like that first half. It was the Giants struggling against themselves instead of really the Cardinals showing something. Look at the numbers. EPA, offensive-wise, they are 21st in the league, 26th running the football, 18th passing the ball. Defense is kind of maybe more average than we expected. 17th defensively. They are coached by Jonathan Gannon, after all, I guess. And they might have some young players here and there. But yeah, overall, overall, I... Watching the the box score, watching the box score was more terrifying than the actual game when I watched it back. Didn't watch it live. Had to watch the replay though. So yeah, this this feels like a game where the Cowboys can really make some management decisions with the injury report. Wouldn't be surprised if all of these guys play. Might be the case. Cowboys have had an interesting run of of inactives and it's gonna be the last week that they can elevate cj goodwin and we'll see if they elevate brock hoffman because they might not need to if tyler and Zach are ready to go and chuma excuse me are ready to go but i'm just gonna run through this very quickly week one inactives for the cowboys you had tyler donovan jalen brooks eric scott Villami fehoko so three rookies drafted rookies Trey Lance and Jordan Lewis. And week two, it became Tyler Donovan, Brandon Cooks instead of Jalen Brooks. So Brooks actually quietly had his NFL debut on Sunday versus the Jets. Played a lot on, sp on special teams. Eric Scott, Fehoko, Trey Lance, and then Noah Igbinajin because Jordan Lewis was back on the lineup. 
now that Tyler and Donovan and say Brandon here are going to be back, then you're going to have to pick two players that were not being inactive, that were being active players. You're going to have to pick a, a few of these guys, and I don't know who is, who is it going to be because it's difficult to set Marquise Bell as an inactive player, but it's also difficult to walk into game day with Hooker, Wilson, Kears, Mukwamu, and Thomas. Mukwamu might end up being inactive if, if the Cowboys go all in healthy-wise into week three. Would be, would be a, a pretty fun one. Let's see here. Derek says, and we always rank the Bills so high. Just understand that Dak and that offense will open up even more to show you that they will not lean on our defense. Buda Baker says, uh, Lance Belts is a good question. Buda Baker not playing. Dable gave it to the players at halftime. Says PV here talking about that week two game. Cardinals opinion says, we should, we should collapse if you're down. Oh yeah, we could definitely put something together here. I don't have a phone line though, so because I know that uh, Cardinal Pino wanted to hop on. Don't have a phone line, and the show is about to end. But yeah, for sure. Ernest says, I think Cowboys is resting Cooks because they're not in big need of his help in the offense. Hey, it might be, right? They should feel confident versus the Cardinals if that does happen. If that does happen. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see tomorrow night. It is preview show night. So we're going to be talking about the matchups that we should follow in the Cowboys-Cardinals game. I got to admit, it's difficult to find them for this game. And again, it's the NFL, crazy league. Everything can happen. And they've got some young players in Arizona, so you never know. But we'll have a preview show. We'll talk about some predictions. We'll have the betting the Cowboys segment. We are 2-0. and so far, we took the Cowboys spread the first couple of weeks. Now the spread is at 12 and a half on the road. Ben Baldwin does a tremendous job on Twitter ranking the teams by the way that betting markets perceive them. And it looks at betting spreads and what the average betting spread should be and all of that. He's got the Cowboys ranked number one based on that. Like the markets are ranking the Cowboys in that way, as the best team in the NFL. And it's obviously just one metric, one way to look at things, but it tells you just how good the Cowboys are. Toxic, with the interesting trend right here, Toxic says, watch out, Mo, because the Cardinals have covered the last two weeks, Mo. Man, I said this last Wednesday. I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from the, from the spread, and I'm going to take the over-under or something like that. I might do that this week. Last week, we just, uh, I, I did wonder about the over-under, but I ended up picking the Cowboys minus nine. So we'll see here what the strategy is tomorrow night. Make sure you tune in. Do me a favor, though, and hit the like button for me. That will be it for tonight's episode of ADZ Sports Dallas. Thank you at primetime. Thank you so much for joining the show, and I'll see you tomorrow, same time, 8 p.m., Muchísimas gracias. Nos vemos mañana. Bye bye.